Read the Ingredients is the enigmatic title of today's show. I'm Matt Robeson. This is Financial Life Planning with my co-host, Mike Morton. Mike, you and I have this approach to doing these shows where you create notes, you create references, you have statistics, you have stories, you have anecdotes to share, and you share them with me, but I don't read them in advance. Today, you've taken a new approach to minimalism that I deeply appreciate. You sent me today's show notes and you just said, read the ingredients. And then you put resources and there's a link. Mike, what the, what's happening here? Why should our listeners care about reading the ingredients? Is this, is today a food show? Is it a financial show? Is it a life show? I don't know what's about to happen. I love our notes that that I put together for the two of us and that you don't read at all until we're live recording. And then, you know, sometime halfway through the show, you scan them like, and, and pull out a couple about? of nuggets. <laughs> but today, so today I just put the title and that was it. That's it. That's Should all Should I click the link or is that like, is this like uh, a joke on me? It's like reading the ingredients. You gave me a link. And if I open this up, it's you're rickrolling me. Like what's happening? It's, no, it's going to be a nutritional label. <laughs> just pops oh up for some, for something. We'll put the we'll put the link in the show notes. All right, this my friend, my good friend slash co-host of my show, was the title from a Wall Street Journal article, which I can see now you've brought up in front of you, so you have some idea of what we might be talking about oh. during this episode. And I say what we might be talking about because many times I put together these show notes and we don't talk about it at all. All right, that's well, like but Miss this- Cleo for entertainment purposes only. That was, by the That's way, right. a deep cut reference from the 90s that if you got that, good for you. You're middle-aged. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Welcome to the rest yeah, of us. <laughs> this was from the Wall Street Journal, and it's all about investing. How investing, it's, it's another thing where it just reminded me that investing is not easy. It's like yet another reminder about why investing is not what it says it is. And why, when you see the title, such as read the ingredients, and you're thinking it's a, a cooking show, it, you know, and you see the title of some mutual fund or index fund or ETF that says, hey, S&P 500 value fund, and you think it's actually a value fund, it might not be. You need to know what is actually inside of that fund where the title is not telling you what's in there. And it's just another, it's number 999 out of 20,000 things about why investing is not as simple as it should be. Mm. Well, first of all, I wanna really take a moment to appreciate the meta joke that you just pulled off on me. First of all, you have a show called Read the Ingredients and you sent me show notes that have no ingredients. They do have a link. So I tried to, just now, as you noted, I tried to read the ingredients and it's a link to a Wall Street Journal article. I do not subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. It's behind a paywall. So I cannot read the ingredients at all. <laughs> so you double pranked me there. Good for you. Well done, Rick Astley. I see what you mean though. So it just, first of all, remind all of our listeners, an ETF is a wrapper around a portfolio. A, it's not, portfolio is not the right word. A group of investments and it's like a mutual fund, but a little bit different. So let's, yeah, let's get a couple of terminologies here. And then the point of the, the point of this podcast is know what you're buying. Mm. Okay. Know what you're buying when you go and do investments. I mean, it goes without saying, but again, but you can't just go by the title. Because frequently what you think you're getting, buyer beware, you're not. And yeah. just because it has like a nice name on it, you, you may not be That's getting right. what you think. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Okay. So mutual funds and ETFs. Um, these are wrappers, so you can buy, you go out to Fidelity or Schwab or whatever, and you can buy one thing called uh, total U.S. stock market, 
mm. and you click buy with your thousand dollars and now you own the total u.s stock market at least that's what the title says <laughs> that you've just bought that sounds, that sounds like something i cannot do or it sounds like a scene from trading places it's i'm trying to corner the market on frozen concentrated orange juice wait have i bought the entire u.s stock market or no, I bought an index of the entire stock market. Okay, thank you, thank you for clarifying. Matt, that. I don't think uh, you're. You you're don't seem to understand to investing, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> so yeah, you buy an you buy an index fund, total U.S. stock market. You own a piece of all five thousand public companies here in the U.S. Wow. by buying one single thing. Now, that single thing might be a mutual fund or it might be an ETF. Those are two different wrappers, okay? It's like uh, the Ziploc bag versus the generic plastic bag. Two different wrappers around those 5,000 companies. So you buy one single thing that has one little ticker symbol and you own 5,000 companies. Could be a mutual fund version, could be an ETF version. Don't really care. That's not the point of this episode. But the point is you've bought, the total, you bought um, a piece of the total U.S. stock market because that's what the title said that you purchased. So those are ETF and mutual funds, but we're talking about index funds, the total U.S. stock market in that case. So before we get into the read the ingredients on what's inside the fund, just a quick note on the wrapper. One of the things that you've clarified in a previous, it was actually a two-part episode in this show, was the set of differences between mutual funds and ETFs. We don't have to belabor that here. We can... People can go back in the feed and look that up. It's actually extremely useful, and it turns out that it's a distinction that really matters. For example, I am now apparently part of a class action lawsuit settlement in Massachusetts because I was in a Vanguard mutual fund, and I was not given sufficient notification of the treatment of capital gains that were going to be applied in that mutual fund. If I had been in an ETF, if I had been aware of the distinction, I might have avoided the massive capital gains taxes that I had to pay two years ago. And so now there is some kind of a settlement and maybe I will get some of that hey, money back. But the point is- Maybe you'll get a buck 50. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. I would have been happier to just avoid the whole thing in the first place. But knowing the distinction, at least a little bit, like which one it is and why one might be a better fit for your situation or not, that's something that Mike can explain to you and he does in that two-part episode. So go check that out. But I get the sense that you don't want to talk about the wrapper. You want to talk about what's inside the bag. Yeah, and I'll give you the cheat sheet because people- you should go back and listen to the episode, but I know you're not going to. So here's what you do. Buy the ETF. ETFs, guys. ETFs. ETFs. Wow, okay. That, that is a good um, cheat sheet. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Just, yeah, but I still want you to listen to the two-part episode. But I still want you. But yeah, yeah, go download the other ones. You know what? You're a great financial <laughs> advisor, but in terms of marketing our previous episodes, <laughs> I, I got to say it leads something to be desired. I'm not sure this co-host thing is going to last Ooh. with you. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Leave the marketing again. to me. Also, seven neat tricks that you can learn about why ETFs are better if you listen to the episodes. That's how you hook them in, Mike. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Man, All I'm, right. just really trying to, I'm just really trying to help people, Matt. <laughs> right, 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 right. But you right. want to talk so about go. the contents in terms of reading the contents. The and I, w I do want to say one other distinction because we're going to get into this because this is the article from the Wall Street Journal. Value versus growth. There's different wow. ways of, of slicing and dicing 
companies. Okay. So we can think about big and small companies. You can invest in very big companies or small companies. Right. You get that, right? Oh, this company's massive, Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, whatever, Walmart, whatever, really big companies, or you can invest in little tiny companies, local pizza shop down the street that's in the public stock market. So you can slice and dice big and small companies. There's also what we call value and growth. All right. These are very common terms. So the growth companies are companies that you think that people think are going to grow a lot. So think about, again, those, some of the big names, especially in technology, we expect Google is growing. They're creating new products and services and people really want them. So it's growing and we're going to pay quite a bit to own Google. We're willing to pay quite a bit, not for today's profits, but because we expect they're going to make even more profits down the road because they're growing. They're going to come out with some cool new stuff versus say ExxonMobil, big global oil company, they're not getting like tons of new customers. They're just, they're year in and year out getting sustainable profits every single year. They're doing a lot of stuff, a lot of investments in R&D and other things, but they get very sustainable profits. So those are what we call value companies. You don't expect them to grow a lot. It's not like they're gonna double their um, customers in the next five years, but they're gonna get, they're gonna keep their margins, whereas some upstart could come along and suddenly crush them. So that's the difference between growth companies and value companies. And are the growth companies, would you more typically find the smaller, kind of riskier bets in that category versus the established mom and pop stocks? Like you buy stock in an electric utility, it's it's almost like buying a bond. It's like it's rate of return regulated, like you're gonna just tick off a pretty stable profit margin, nothing spectacular. That's generally, yeah, a good way of thinking about it. Mm. And you pay, and what I was saying before is you gen tend to pay more to own the growth companies because you expect them to grow. So if they don't, suddenly like the, the stock price can get crushed because oh, you know, they're not growing. Whereas the value, you're not going to pay a whole lot for it. But, and so therefore it's not as volatile. Going it's a, it's a volatility variability. To, got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's growth versus value. Okay. So now we can take, let's take the S&P 500. All right. So the 500 biggest companies here in the US, S&P 500. All right. You, you can buy ETF version of the S&P 500. You will own a small slice of all 500 companies. And that's great. Cool. I own a small slice of those 500 companies. Now we could divide, those are all big companies. So they're all going to be really big companies, but we could divide them into value and growth. Okay. We could take those 500 I companies see. and divide them. Okay. Are you a value company or a growth company? All right. And there's different metrics, but someone makes a decision. In this case, Standard & Poor, that's the S&P, says, okay, you are a growth company and just decides you're a growth company, all right? And you know what they do? There's ticker symbols. I don't have them in front of me, Matt, but there's an S&P 500 growth and there's an S&P 500 value. Really? Okay? So they take the, yes. So you can buy the S&P 500 growth or you can buy the S&P 500 value. I did not know that. Or you can buy you just the S&P 500. Okay. I mean, there's a million different things you can buy, right? So also, yeah. can, can you explain to me why one of the names in S&P is poor? I mean, isn't that crappy marketing? <laughs> I know. Shouldn't standard it be like standard and rich? Yeah. Standard and very rich. That's a good question, Matt. All right. All right. Look okay. that up. So there's while growth. I'm talking. <laughs> okay. Yes. Go on. So those, I, I did not know that you had that. Okay. So you could buy, yeah, so the 500 companies, Standard & Poor's, somebody in, the, in there, that's, I mean, it's a company that does this kind of stuff. 
they decide, are you a growth company? They look at the metrics. Mm. There's all kinds of metrics you look at for companies. Are you a growth company or value company? They take all 500 and split them in either growth or value. But as you can think, there's probably a bunch of companies that maybe they're somewhere in the middle. It's not really sure. They have some growth components, but that, think of Microsoft because this is an example I'm going to use. Oh, that's a growth company, but also they're a massive company. They have a lot of just prop revenue that comes in. They have business services. Microsoft has a ton of business services where businesses just pay yearly annual fees for like, hey, all the services, cloud computing. Think of Amazon with their like cloud computing. It's just like, that's more value, right? It's every year in and year out, people are using the services, paying the contract, like a utility kind of thing. So S&P splits all 500 into growth and they have the S&P growth index. Man, that sounds good. We were saying like, I want to make some bets. I'm going to buy the S&P growth index. Or you can think, I'll buy the S&P value index because value historically does a little bit better than growth, which we don't have to get into in today, but research and academics look at value companies and they tend to do pretty well. So you might think, I'm gonna buy the value, okay? It turns out Microsoft, which creates a lot of new products, a lot of growth, is in the value, the S&P 500 value. That's where it sits is in the S&P 500 value. Why would it sit there? Because they had to make a choice. It's either a growth or a value. It's got to sit in one or the other. So the S&P 500 value index is crushing the S&P pure value index. Wait, now, what? I just totally lost all of you. Yeah. There's there's value and there's pure value? This sounds like oh, yeah. virgin olive oil and, and extra virgin like the olive same? oil. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, And by olive the way, oil. if you're already... One, how can you be even more so? But anyway, go on. Yeah. So the S&P 500 value, I told you they split all 500 companies into growth or value. The S&P 500 pure value or the S&P 500 pure growth, they sound so similar. Yeah, I'm logging into Fidelity. I want a growth index. Oh yeah, S&P growth. Boom, I'm going to buy that. Well, did I buy the growth or the pure growth? They're two different things. Oh my gosh. And they own different stuff in them. And if you didn't buy the S&P one, maybe you got the Vanguard value fund. And it's going to own different stuff in there. So this is where, and then you look at the historical returns. What do people actually do, Matt? Log into Fidelity. I heard from my coworker, the value is where to be. I'm going to get a value fund. And so I'll look in, I'll log in Fidelity or, or Schwab or TD or whatever. And I'll just go to their research and I'll look up value funds and see what did really well in the last year or two. And I'm going to buy that one, right? Because obviously it's done better than the other one. So I'm going to buy that one. You don't know what you're getting. Like the S&P 500 value crushed the S&P 500 pure value. Why? Because Microsoft and others like it, which are more kind of growth companies, are in the S&P value fund, but not the pure value fund. And so it made, it like doubled the gains of the other one. And so if you're looking up and say, I want a value fund, I'm going to buy that one, even though it's not really that much of a value fund. Are you ready to create your ideal lifestyle? Let's discover what's most important to you and design a plan to have more of that in your life. Go to meetmikemorton.com. All one word, meetmikemorton.com. That's interesting. It does go... First of all, it's, it's not just buyer beware, but it is interesting that a lot of these things are marketing labels that that are put on things. And it's if you buy like the eco-friendly 
if you buy the heart healthy omelet, it's okay. That sounds great. What's in it? Is it partially de-weaponized plutonium? Is it like light cheese? What is in the heart healthy omelet? At least omelet? it's de-weaponized. Well, you wouldn't want the weaponized. That's the pure value omelet with extra virgin right. olive oil. So I, I, I can see, let me ask you this though. Yeah. Reading the ingredients on an actual label is laborious. And it's also confusing in a way because when you read the, look, I love government. I'm a government guy. I spent a lot of my you know, professional life working in government. So, you know, when they put more mandates on companies, it sounds like a good thing. You got to say this and you got to say this until you get the legalese with the Apple iTunes agreement. And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have an entire afternoon to read what's in the agreement, which is also a hilarious South Park. Like reading the ingredients on food is actually quite confusing because inside there, it's like, do I, well, this one's higher in sodium, but it has less sugar, but right. it also has polysorbate 80. I'm not sure if that's good. Now I have to look up and Google how carcinogenic is that? I imagine that it's the same thing when it comes to what's inside these index funds. It's you look at this company. Now, do I need to understand the beta on each of these companies and what, do I have yep. to read their 10Ks? Is there a hack for any of this? Is there a no. shorthand or do you? Yes and no. Do you have to really so is, read the yeah, ingredients? Yeah. So if you want to know what you're investing in, you do have to read the ingredients. So like, I'm going to answer this in a couple of different ways. First of all, listeners, sorry to confuse you with the value and the pure value. I told you up front, it's super confusing. Investing is more confusing than you think, but I'll give you some hacks about what you can do. I like value. All right. I have a lot of my clients in some value funds. What do I have to do? I have to know the landscape of value and what's inside of these things. And it's not that easy. Luckily, once you learn some stuff and pay attention and read some labels, like to your point, Matt, you can Google some things, start to learn, okay, this might be better than this, or this is what I'm trying to go for, this kind of thing. I want to eat more fiber. So I'm going to look at the fiber content of each of those and do that, whatever it is. So I do evaluate 10, 20 different value funds and use the ones that fit into the portfolios that I'm trying to design. Now, for the listeners at home, you could do all that. That's great. If you love that, go for it. Uh, it's awesome. I'll give you some resources in the show notes, some things that I love, but you don't have to. And this is why when I just talking to other people about investing, stick with the basics, guys. Total US stock market, total international market, mm. total bond market. Those three, okay? You can have just three different investments, total US stock market, total international market, total bond market, okay? Forget the value growth, big, small. Don't worry about it, okay? That's, a, that's an approach. It's very reasonable because it's way easier to fit in at home <laughs> rather than trying to learn and figure out every single ingredient. Well, just to extend the dietary analogy, because I think it's actually a pretty good one. There is a lot of research on, first of all, there's some new research that you can count calories or you can just do intermittent fasting. And you can just say, you know what? I'm only going to eat between noon and 8 p.m. You get the same result, essentially. And yep. taking these kind of shortcut, or you can use the author Michael Pollan, who writes about food. He wrote The Omnivore's Dilemma. And he writes, look, eat real food, mostly plants. Um, what's his third Not rule? too much. Not, Not too, too much. much. Not too much. 
and it's or another friend of mine who's a dietitian said avoid crap where crap is an yep. acronym for calorie rich and processed like if it comes in a package and you look at the calorie count that's a pretty good proxy i do think what you're suggesting is there's not really a shortcut through actually reading the ingredients if you want to know what's in a fun but there is a shortcut to just choose certain kinds of things and not even mess around in the first place if you want to it's, figure out yeah. if like a candy bar is okay or if it's like kind of healthy if it's like right. nutri yums is it nutra or is it more yum you can read the ingredients on every single thing or you could just say you know what not going to eat the packaged stuff i'm just gonna you know eat a plant yeah. Well, I love the analogy, actually, because it is exactly that. Because if you're going to eat the Nutri-Yums, what are you going to balance it with, right? If you're really into nutrition, oh, yeah, I do want to have some ice cream, Matt, at night. What am I going to balance that with? Oh, I'm going to balance it with intermittent fasting, so I'm not eating too much, right? right? So you have to know a bunch of different things. Or skip all of it and just eat only healthy stuff. And that's the great part about investing is you can skip all of that stuff. Just invest in a couple of very simple, straightforward things and call it a day. Right. You don't have to read the ingredients if you're buying a head of kale. And, That's you know, right. so like for, we could do a whole show on like <laughs> healthy eating at some point because you and I have both talked about this. By the way, Matt, and we're going to talk about this. There's a new book I've just read called You Can't Possibly Screw This Up. And it's by far the best Such a great uh, nutritional book that I have ever that I've read. You can't it's possibly. Very, okay. very good. All right. Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite the author onto my show, onto Beyond Politics. We're going to talk about it. You can't possibly right. screw this up. That's fantastic. Yep. That's great. Yeah, it's really good. Look, I do think that, again, just to build the analogy, you can shortcut this by just – I don't have to read the ingredients if I'm, if I'm eating a kale salad. Like, I'm going to eat yep. the kale. I know what's in it. If it's not coming out of a package, it's fine. And that's essentially yeah. the index funds are. Or you could take an approach of like, all right, I'm going to super balance lots of different things, which is like yep. the, I'm going to do intermittent fasting. I'm going to do some of my own research. You know, I'm going to know what's in the contents. But then you have to do the work and know what's in the contents and know what's in the plan. You got it exactly right, man. So stick with the, the total U.S. stock market, total international, total bond, and those target date funds do a pretty good job in your retirement accounts. So the target date funds are, are a good one stop in the retirement plans. Great. All right. Well, you know what? We somehow made it through all this. Even though I didn't know the ingredients of this show, <laughs> we somehow managed to land on getting the ingredients of the show. All right. Uh, Mike Morton, my co-host of Financial Life Planning. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us on Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to and rate the podcast on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with me at LinkedIn or MortonFinancialAdvice.com. I'd love to get your feedback. If you have a comment or question, please email me at financialplanningpod at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered for investment advice. Opinions expressed as are of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. We do not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the data presented here.